I think the misconception is that influencer marketing is instant. And so when a brand is launching and they're expecting sales right away, that's a bit of a red flag to me. I think people that right out of the gate are focused on ROI when they should re be, you know, really focusing on their brand awareness. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode 140 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. As always, happy Friday. Thanks for joining me on another episode. This is a great conversation I had with Tara. She's the founder and creative lead at Counterculture. In this episode, Tara shares her journey through digital marketing and her jobs at agencies before she decided to launch her own business, Counterculture. She talks about the biggest mistakes brands are making when it comes to influencer marketing, misconceptions about ROI versus brand awareness, and how the industry has changed over the last few years. We talk about the different platforms that you can be on now, Instagram, Reels, TikTok, everything, and how you can grow and stay inspired to create all that content because sometimes it's tough, especially we've learned in the last couple of years when you have to find different types of content to create, especially if you were like a travel blogger or you relied a lot on leaving your house. So we talked about all of that, lots of insight into influencer marketing from both a creator perspective as well as a business perspective. So it is good for everyone listening. I hope you enjoy. Here is Tara. Let's just get started. Do you want to introduce yourself and give us a fun fact? Oh my gosh, it was actually so hard to find a fun fact. But um, yes, my name is Tara. I'm the creative lead at Counterculture Agency, and I'm also a creator over at Tara Lee Rose. Um, a fun fact about me so, <laughs> my friends know this about me, but I'm amazing at useless trivia facts. <laughs> Like if we're watching a show and they're like, oh, I recognize this actor from something else. I know I can probably tell them what that other show is or movie and like down to the episode and the role that they played. It's really peculiar. <laughs> but great for like icebreaker conversations. <laughs> no, I honestly need to find now that we're like post pandemic, like I need to find a bar that does trivia because I would I would clean up. <laughs> I'm sure it's coming back. So I'm sure there will be somewhere that you can just show up and be like, I'm here to win. Guys. <laughs> you know, fear me. <laughs> I love that. And before we get into what you do right now with counterculture, do you want to take us back and explain and take us through the journey of how you got started in digital marketing? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a, a long journey. <laughs> So, um, growing up, I always thought that I would become a lawyer, but that obviously did not happen. I think, you know, the traditional career path just ended up not being for me. Um, so I started my career working as a brand ambassador, actually. So, you know, at the time, um, experiential marketing was definitely a big sector of marketing. And I would rep different brands at, you know, concerts, festivals, or big sporting events. Um, and yeah, it was really fun just to 
kind of dabble in different brands and always be working in different places and seeing different people. Um, and then I moved into the agency side of experiential marketing. Um, so really just being a part of the team that produced those types of activations. Um, and then I eventually moved into traditional PR before kind of getting into digital marketing. Cool. And did you then work at an agency, like a PR agency, um, before you like decided to start your own? Yes. So I worked at probably four or five agencies before deciding to start my own. Um, and it is true what they say, like agency life is a grind and I was living and working in Toronto. So, you know, very highly competitive, um, agency life. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I feel that definitely I'm in Calgary, but it's just, I feel like people don't understand agency life until you're like, until you do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you definitely, and you know, it it was a great experience. I will say that. Like I learned a lot in a few years and, um, seeing different management skills and, and types of, um, supervisors. I think I kind of took all of that and kind of molded what I wanted to be as a boss and what I also didn't want to be. Uh, so yeah, overall it was a good journey. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I like, I'm expanding my business now, but I'm just like, okay, don't become the bosses that you had that made you want to start your own business. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to avoid that, but I was like, those are not the attributes that I want to have. So I totally understand that. And so then at what point did you decide to then start your own agency and what, where was your mindset at when you thought you could do it yourself? Yeah. So that's a really interesting question because I don't know that I fully understood what it meant to run an agency. Um, but at the time, I think this was five or six years ago. Now I was working for a PR agency in Toronto, um, specifically working in the luxury travel and food and hospitality category. Um, it was fun, but this is the kind this is, this was like the, the time period where digital marketing and influencer marketing started to really become prevalent. And I don't think that the traditional PR agencies fully understood how to work with influencers in meaningful ways. And I felt like it was a lot of just copy paste of the same kinds of programs. So I just really started counterculture as a means to create real relationships with influencers. I think, you know, having started my own page around that time, I was meeting other creators at events and, you know, you inevitably talk and I just found it was the same, you know, five people doing all the campaigns and all the campaigns were the same. So it just came from a place of really wanting to execute different work really. Right. No, I love that. And it helps. I feel that you did have that like influencer side as well. So you can kind of see it from both sides and then be able to approach Mm -hmm. influencers with that like empathy almost because you understand what it's like to get the PR emails and when it doesn't go well, everyone has had that experience. And so I do like that, like approach to it. And did you just focus on influencer marketing then, or were you kind of doing like all PR type of stuff? Um, so it was really interesting because the traditional PR world 
just started offering influencer marketing services just because it was kind of popping off as a thing. So certainly my role back then was very traditional PR. So, you know, pitching editors and trying to get earned coverage in magazines and publications, et cetera. But we had a few clients uh, for whom we took care of their social media channels. So I think, you know, with that, they were kind of dabbling in influencer marketing work, uh, but it was definitely something that I wanted to focus more on. And I didn't see that happening in the traditional agency space. So that also kind of propulsed me to start counterculture as well. Totally. And how would you say that influencer marketing, like when you started and then right now changed, I know it's a really big question because that's like five years in that type (laughs) of industry, I feel like it's a million years, but just like top level, just like the biggest differences that you can see now versus then. I think now we're in a place where creators know their worth a lot more. And I think it is more closely treated like um, modeling is. So, you know, to understand like the usage rights and how brands are whitelisting your content. And I just think that those kinds of terms are much more known now. So, and I think that also just the influencer marketing space being so prevalent, there are so many managers in the field. There's, you know, so many more people working on this kind of business. So I think there's just more knowledge when it comes to how to deal with influencers how to deal with campaigns, you know, contracts, et cetera. So I would say that that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is like people really know their worth and um, yeah, just that, but it's also like changing a lot because five, six years ago, Instagram was maybe a thing. Now we have so many other platforms like TikTok. And so it's constantly evolving, which is also a great part of, you know, being in this industry. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it's so exciting to be a part of it from either side with so much like opportunity to use influencer marketing in like an impactful way. Like you said, now that people understand what it is and how to use it properly, I think that it's really opened the doors just as like a marketing tool for everybody, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the campaigns in general are also far better thought out now and you know, depending on the brand, there's so many different ways to tackle influencer marketing. And so I think brands are also seeing that differences between campaigns or, you know, differences in terms of how to execute that kind of work is, is also could be beneficial. Totally. And from a business side of things, what would you say are still some of the like biggest mistakes that brands are making when it comes to either executing influencer marketing or just how they're thinking about it? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is it's something that we, um, my two other partners and I call like flash in the pan type marketing. So, you know, essentially there are some brands that throw a little bit of money into influencer marketing one time and they expect, you know, astronomical results. And I think to build a community, you know, being able to have that conversation on social with your customers, that's a grind and it takes a lot of time and investment. So I think the misconception is that influencer marketing is instant and 
So when a brand is launching and they're expecting sales right away, that's a bit of a red flag to me. I think people that right out of the gate are focused on ROI when they should re- be you know, really focusing on their brand awareness. So yeah, I would say flash in the pan type marketing. <laughs> totally. No, I love that. And I love that description of it because it is. So true. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, think of the influencers that you're working with, like they've spent years building their community communities and talking to their audiences and honing their craft. So, you know, when a brand thinks that they can just do it like that, it's, that's definitely a mistake. Totally. And it's so interesting. I had a, a client that we did like a same thing, like a one type of execution for their new product or whatever. And um, we did it. And then a brand that was very similar did one, like maybe two weeks later. And she called me and she was like, how come they had this many people post on stories? And how come we only got this many people? And I was like, first of all, I was like, I don't know the answer to those questions. And then I was like, you don't know how many they send. You don't know if they had a budget. Like we don't know any of those things. And just looking at literally how many people are posting is not the way we should view this. And I was like, okay, well maybe we'll just never do this again, or it won't be my responsibility. Yeah. There's just so many variables that come with a program and yeah, it's just there. You have to look at each program as like a, a blank slate, you really can't replicate work because that it definitely won't work. I mean, totally. from what I've, what I've experienced, it won't. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And I just want your thought. Um, it came to me as you were talking about like knowing your worth and then having brands have a misconception about using influencers. Obviously budget is like the first thing that people talk about and brands never want to pay anything. They would rather do it for free. So what is your approach to brands like that, whether they do have a budget and they're just not giving it up or they actually have no budget. Like what's your advice to them to be able to execute a somewhat successful influencer campaign? That's a really good question. And I think it depends. So as a creator myself, I think sometimes, you know, and I tell my influencers this as well, like if there's a particular route you want to take your, you know, brand in, cause I do see social media, like, you know, being an influencer, that's like your personal brand. Um, there are certainly brands that you could work with for free and it would be an advantage to you. So as an example, like when I was starting out, I was more in the fitness category just because that's like who I was back then. And there was this local Toronto brand of kind of like peace collective looking stuff, like, you know, the Toronto like caps and and all that kind of apparel that wanted to work with me. And I think my long-term goal was to end up working with like a Nike or an Adidas. So I felt like if I took this partnership, you know, maybe a Nike or an Adidas wouldn't work with me. So sometimes you have to evaluate your priorities and what your values are. So I ended up not working with this local brand. And then like a month later, Nike was doing this big activation for their 15 K that they had in Toronto. And I became one of the ambassadors. So it really depends. And I think you need to constantly be evaluating what your long-term goals are because sometimes it could be worth it to work with a brand for free. Um, but as a business, um, yeah, that's really tough as well. I would say like each situation kind of needs to be evaluated independently. 
Totally. Yeah. No, I just was wondering what you had to say about that. And I think it is interesting, like I said, coming from both sides of it for how you approach it. Um, but I totally agree. There's a couple things I still do for free quote unquote. Um, but it helps with the type of brand that I'm building. And exactly. like one of them is like the NFL and like they send me to a game and I'm like, well, I would pay for that. So it's worth it for me to be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. And such a benefit of being in this world too, is the kinds of experiences that you get to be a part of, you know, brands are very aware that, you know, perhaps you could buy a ticket to an event, but that curated experience that they are putting on for influencers, like you wouldn't be able to buy that kind of experience. So in that case, yeah, I totally agree with you. There's certain instances that where it totally makes sense. Definitely. But then you can't pay your bills with all experiences. So yeah, you need to go both ways. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and in terms of content creation, um, I feel like in this like weird space that we're in, we're like, some things are open and some things aren't opening. We've, we've had to like create so much content in our houses and become mm-hmm. more creative, even with like TikTok coming out and just like how Instagram is changing every day. What can people do like as creators if they're feeling uninspired or like, how do you stay inspired to create content um, when it's just like, you're not like traveling or you're not doing anything that's like easily content creatable? (laughs) Yeah. And this is something I definitely feel for travel creators, especially because that, you know, of course it was difficult for all of us, but I think when your work is so dependent on travel, Um, I definitely felt for those people, but I think in terms of something that you can do if you're feeling uninspired is honestly to get off social. I don't think that you're going to find inspiration looking at other people's content, especially when you're feeling down. It's almost like stepping on your own head when you're drowning. (laughs) And I think that you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the fashion and beauty world. So if I look at, you know, a fashion designer, as an example, they go experience other cultures, they go into nature, they look at what's in their surroundings in order to be inspired and, you know, to ultimately create a collection. So I think to create truly original work, you need to get off the platform where you're sharing and, kind of look inwards and like look around you. Um, And something that I always do is to look at the archives or art history. Um, So as an example, if I'm shooting a collaboration with Chanel Beauty, as an example, I love to look at old pictures of Mademoiselle Chanel or to look at old campaigns and really kind of form my own reference mood board in order to shoot something that is, you know, takes from the past. I inject a little bit of like me and then it creates something uh, that's more substantial and, and creative. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. I love that to like get off of social. Cause I, feel that where you're looking through other people's stuff and you're like, Oh my God, their content is so great. Or they're making all of these videos and like, I'm doing nothing. And so it Mm -hmm. does really diminish your own creativity because you're just (laughs) depressed on social. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're, you're comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel and it just like, you're putting 
salt in your own wound because like you're maybe not traveling or doing cool experiences like that. So yeah, I would say just like focusing on yourself really. And like, it's the best thing because there's a reason why you became a creative in the first place. And sometimes we just lose sight of that, but yeah, just like look inward, find your own mojo and like stop comparing yourself to other people. That's literally venom. Totally. And how do you find balance between like creating photos and creating video? And cause I know obviously there's a tradition or transition into video personally, like I love taking photos and I love editing them. And it makes me really sad that all Instagram wants is just like reels. And then TikTok is just more video. So how do yeah. you find a balance between like creating those two types of content? Oh, uh, I would say it's honestly how I'm feeling that day <laughs> or while I'm shooting because I run the business full time. I usually leave my content creation to the weekends. So it's a lot of like research and shooting on weekends, but I would say, yeah, it's really like what is making me happy that day. Uh, that's kind of a lame answer, but I don't try and push video on myself if it's just not working because, you know, if you're already feeling down, you're not going to want to be like, Hey guys, man, 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 and like what be thing? all, you know, happy go lucky in a video. So it really depends on my mood. <laughs> I feel that. And for people, cause TikTok obviously is super popular now. And I feel like there was a time at the beginning of quarantine basically that you had the chance to like get viral more quickly because there was less people using it and then once everyone realized that it's great now it feels like not oversaturated but there's definitely a lot more users and creators on there so for people who want to grow on tiktok or want to expand their brand onto a different platform what advice do you have for them well, I would say with TikTok specifically, it's being as niche as possible. The platform seems to favor, honestly, quite weird things. <laughs> uh, so I would say when it comes to a new platform in general, I would say just experiment. You're just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what's going to stick, to be honest. Um, so definitely experimenting and not being afraid to put something silly out there. I know that a lot of the creators that seem to be blowing up, it's really the most authentic content that's going viral. So if it's something that is truly speaking to you, I would say just try it out and be consistent too, especially with a platform like TikTok, the more you post, the better it is. Definitely. And I do like that it is more authentic. So you don't feel like it, not that it doesn't take as much work because TikToks can definitely take a long time, but I feel like you don't have to overthink about or over edit anything that you can really just like whatever happened in the moment can be then be posted and people want to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love TikTok. It's honestly such a funny, weird platform. I find myself scrolling so like, I, I definitely spend more time on TikTok now because it actually makes me laugh. Like, it's Definitely. great. I love it. Yeah. I love the content these... is better for sure. Yeah. I love these young, weird kids that are just like, yeah, I'm going to post this. It's great. <sighs> totally. I know. I wish we would have had, well, I don't wish I had TikTok when I was really young, but <laughs> to see what kind of content we would have created if we were like 14 or 15 in like 
our like weird hobbies and stuff before you like really thought about what was happening, posting it on the internet, you know, Mm. I think it'd be so interesting to be able to have the, like the niche or the things that you're really into, but didn't want to share like on Instagram or something. Yeah. I definitely feel like we had Vine for like half a minute when we were, I think I was like in high school or maybe like early university days. And I remember Vine, like actually one of this guy that I knew in Montreal was like a famous Viner. And all he did was like jackass type stunts. So I'm sure I actually find it interesting. I I noticed that a lot of the people that did well on Vine weren't really able to translate their uh, influence on Instagram are now doing really well on TikTok. Yes. Kind of some similarities between the platforms in terms of the types of content. So yeah, if you were great on Vine, now's your chance. Get on TikTok. <laughs> Definitely. PSA. <laughs> <laughs> and do you find the brands are now more interested in having influencers be on TikTok as well? Or do you see like a spread in the type of influencers that brands want to work with now that there are more platforms than like just Instagram to work with? Definitely. I think all of our clients at Counterculture are also on TikTok and also wanting to work with TikTok creators. And I think it's just brands trying to jump on something early-ish on because it's always advantageous when you're kind of first to a platform. But I definitely think it depends on the kind of brand that you are it might not make sense for every brand to be on TikTok. Right. No, definitely. And I think that's like a conversation that either internally the brand has to have or someone like you to explain to a brand like what platforms they need to be on because I do feel like everyone was like, okay, well, we need to be on TikTok now. So like, let's make mm-hmm. dancing videos. And you're like, well, like <laughs> that's not necessarily the right path for everybody. Yeah. And even being a business owner, like some brands should not be on social. You know, like a brand, like, like if you're looking at bathroom tissue and the way that people buy that you're buying it because it's on sale at the shelf, like on the shelf, like an influencer program is not going to drive like brand preference in customers. You know what I mean? So it doesn't always make sense for certain brands to be on social period or to activate via influencer marketing. Yeah, definitely. What would you say are like from an influencer or content creator and then from the a business side, what are two of like your favorite campaigns that you have been a part of and then you also got to work on? As an influencer, I would say honestly my experiences with Chanel are unreal and I still to this day don't really understand why um, I've been given this opportunity, but it's definitely something that is near and dear to my heart. I think just in general, French culture is, you know, part of my family and um, it's, it's just a brand, like it's a heritage brand at the end of the day that I've always loved. So that's definitely something that is, uh, you know, still extraordinary in my life. Um, I would say at work. So we are launching, this really, really cool diffuser brand called Seasons. And they're based out of Hong Kong and it's truly technology in service of, you know, a beautiful design object. And it's actually a waterless diffuser, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. It's, it's just launching, but super cool. And I love the client so much. So 
yeah, I would say those are two, two brands I love. <laughs> no, that's super cool. Actually. It's so interesting. Cause there's a brand like a humidifier brand in the States, um, called canopy, I think. And I think they have a waterless one, but you can't order it in Canada. So mm. I will definitely stay tuned Seasons. to that one because yeah, I've been looking for one, um, <laughs> but I haven't found one. So yeah, I'll send you one. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and what would you say, who are some of the brands that you think are doing cool things right now? Like in general, not necessarily your clients. Uh, okay. So there's this ice cream parlor, I believe in Montreal, it's called swirl and their social presence is great. And you would think like ice cream, this category can't be innovative. No, it's great. Like their social media is great. I think it's swirl MTL or something like that. I'm also a big fan of, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, but it's Nodaletto shoes. It's okay. like, you know, the, the shoes that Maisie Williams was wearing at the Met, they have like that chunky heel. Yes. Um, I think their visuals are just like really interesting and I'm often drawn to, you know, alternative or fringe forms of beauty that are not always represented in the media. So I've been really keeping a close eye on what they're doing. I think they're, they're really cool. Cool. No, that's awesome. Um, Okay. A couple more questions before we wrap up Um, for a business that wants to get into influencer marketing that hasn't done it yet. What would you say are the best ways to start thinking about it? Um, and some of the questions to ask and just that like initial conversation. Yeah. I think sometimes brands have a preconceived notion of what influencer marketing is. So definitely reach out to, you know, agencies or or people in the space. Um, I think a piece of advice that I would give a business is to really like have a solid long-term plan. Um, like I mentioned, like if you're doing a one-time thing with influencers might not be as impactful as you think it would be. Um, definitely understanding who you are as a brand is super important as well, because I find that in the discovery phase with new clients, a lot of times they think they are one thing, but the data is telling them a complete different story. So being also open to the suggestions or advice of the experts in the field, you know, there's a reason why we own agencies and and we do what we do. So, you know, I I think being an over-involved brand is sometimes detrimental because then you don't allow your agency to be fully creative or execute what they think would be best. So yeah, that would be my advice. No, I think that's great. And then on the other side of it for influencers and content creators, for people that want to grow that are just starting out or they have been just like growing, but haven't quite like got there yet. What advice would you give to them on the other side um, to grow their brand and then also get those partnerships and things that they see other influencers getting? Mm -hmm. I think especially now, so now the conversation that I like to have with people is to be as niche as you can be and to be consistent. You know, if you want to be a lifestyle creator, it's definitely more difficult to 
break into, you know, the industry because it is so saturated. Um, so yeah, finding that niche thing is key. And I think that's what we notice with TikTok as well. You know, people that are doing like all these like weird fringe things. Um, and we're actually launching a, a community first platform that will give people who want to be influencers, like all the, the tools that they need to grow. So I think it's like, you know, my partners and I have been in this world for, for X amount of years and, you know, we all have marketing backgrounds. So I think it was taking all this knowledge out of our brains and creating, uh, a platform for people to really understand how to do it, you know, the tools that you need, et cetera. So I'm pretty excited to, to launch that in the next couple of months. And I think it'll answer a lot of questions that I'm unable to, to answer in like five minutes. Yeah, totally. (laughs) When I feel like that's even just one of the steps that people can't get over is really just like the intimidation and overwhelm of the entire like internet and trying to like put yourself in it and, you know, not feeling, I mean, I feel like we all feel like that anyways, but when you're starting out, like they are just so small and like, how do you even then reach anybody? Yeah, exactly. And, And there's so much information that's readily available online, but I think that you know, this platform is going to give people like a, a path with tangible steps. So I think it'll be more digestible and ultimately, hopefully less overwhelming <laughs> to break in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then last question, how do you balance being an influencer yourself and running a business, which I know you answered for creating content on the weekend, but then also just like having your own time? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm working on because I think if you have like entrepreneurship skills or, you know, tendencies, you inherently are bad at doing nothing. (laughs) So it's definitely something that I'm still navigating because it's so easy to just constantly be working. Um, For my social channels, in particular, I am the queen of the latergram. Like I almost never post what I'm doing in that moment because it just kind of freaks me out. Like you actually don't know who follows you. Totally. So just from a safety perspective, if like I'm posting on my story, like I'm probably not at the restaurant anymore, you know, like I'm, I'm not in that location anymore. So just like, yeah, like I said, banking content on weekends, um, And yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I've set up all these kind of boundaries in my life. Um, so, you know, I don't use my phone before 9am or after 9pm. And I am very strict on that. Uh, you know, no screen time before bed. Um, so I think it's very hard to unlearn things. So, having strict like physical or like time limits on your apps is something that is quite helpful because it is hard to unlearn unless you have those guardrails in place. And yeah, but I don't know, just, yeah, being an entrepreneur, having this business and knowing what, you know, shitty agency life was, (laughs) I think is what's driving me to like keep going. So don't know that I've found a balance yet. 
bad yeah. trying. <laughs> I understand. And I, I was talking to someone about this yesterday that it's so interesting with like being in quarantine and like having basically nowhere to go. And yet your time was still full, even though you cut out so many things. You're just like, where did all these other things come from? And how come I still feel busy even though I'm at home? I know. And I, I think it was, it showed how much more work we could get done at home because we had nothing else to do. So yeah, but isn't it wild that the last two years also feels like it went by in a flash? Yes. Yeah. Now, when you say two years, you're like two full years. Like what, what do you mean? (laughs) I know. Like I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. I can't, like, I cannot comprehend how we are like a hundred days away from Christmas and that it's basically 2022. Like it's just, I, my mind exploded. Like I I can't believe it. (laughs) Wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Time goes by so fast and we've learned nothing. It's that you need to prioritize what you're doing because the time will go by anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, where can people find and connect with you if they want to see where you're up to at work or see what you're up to as a content creator? I am at Tara Lee Rose on all platforms, try and keep it consistent. Um, but I would say just Tara Saloom on LinkedIn, if it's like very work-related, but otherwise (laughs) happy to chat about work in the DMs too. So not picky. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for coming on here and sharing all of your internet wisdom. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Poolside Podcast with Tara. I hope you got something out of it, whether you are a business going to launch an influencer campaign or you are a content creator and want to grow your platforms. There was tons of nuggets in there and make sure you are following me on social media at Almost Famous for my personal account or Poolside Digital to stay up to date with everything that Poolside is doing business-wise and for this podcast. Also follow Tara. Her account is amazing. And if you listen to this episode, tag us in stories to let us know what you liked about it. And I will see you next Friday.